Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. My favorite Christmas carol, and perhaps most of yours, is Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child. You know, we have heard that so much. We've forgotten the virgin part of Christianity. Jesus was born not through a man, but exclusively through Mary, Virgin Mary, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The truth is, Jesus' family tree proves something incredible about him. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today on The Winning Walk, Dr. Young begins his message, The Genealogy of Jesus, and shows you how the family line of Jesus found in Matthew fulfills prophecy. You don't want to miss this message, so stay right there. Now, here's Dr. Ed Young with today's message, The Genealogy of Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a green, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Throughout the celebration of Christmas, I want you to proclaim your faith and that every time I say Emmanuel, you will answer God with us. Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel. God with us. During this holy season of Christmas, my favorite Christmas carol, and perhaps most of yours, is Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child. You know, we have heard that so much. We've forgotten the virgin part of Christianity. Jesus was born not through a man, but exclusively through Mary, Virgin Mary, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Notice that in Genesis, God gave us man 
without a woman. In Christmas, God gave us a man without a man. The virgin birth. We forget that, we sing it, we believe it, but can we verify it? One professor told me in seminary, oh, it's just a biographical fact. How foolishly ignorant he was. Christmas, Easter, that's sort of the brackets of the life of Jesus, isn't it? Christmas miracle, the Virgin Mary conceived, Christmas miracle. Easter miracle, Jesus who was crucified was resurrected. So it's a miracle of Christmas and the miracle of Easter surrounds the life of Jesus Christ. So we come to Christmas and we say, oh, I believe by faith that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But is there evidence? Is there historical evidence? Is there some verification of this? And the answer is absolutely. And you never guess where you find it. I, if I were a wagering man, which I'm not, I would bet you that no one here has heard a thoroughgoing sermons on the genealogies, all the begats, begats, begats. You remember that part? Son of, father of, son of, father of, begats. We see these listings of names in the Bible and we say, what is that all about? I want you to see that two of the prophecies concerning Jesus are clearly taught and fulfilled and understood as we look at all the genealogy that we find in Matthew chapter one and in Luke chapter three. So we see these listings, these family trees are so vital and so very, very important. Open your Bibles, if you would, the book of Matthew, and you look at verse one all the way through verse 17. And it's those begats, son of, son of, father of, begats. What in the world is that all about? Why is this the opening chapter of the life of Jesus? I can tell you why, because of all the prophecies that would, were put in place thousands of years before his birth, there are two taught here that are major indeed. You see, the Jews were big on genealogies. A lot of people here are. And the Jews kept those genealogies because they believed the Messiah would come. Messiah was prophesied almost 90 times in the Old Testament. Many of the prophecies are called major prophecies, and two of them are here. And therefore, when all the would-be Messiahs would come, all the pretenders, I'm the Messiah, I'm the promised one, I fulfilled all those prophecies. They could just check that out and see if truly this person who made such a claim was indeed God who came down the steps of heaven with a baby in his arms. Was this person genuinely in reality God wrapped up in human flesh. 
Was it really Emmanuel? How do we know that? So we go to the prophets in Matthew. Hope you have your Bibles open. And notice it opens with Abraham, and it goes all the way down, all the way through. Significant thing, it goes through David, whose son here is Solomon, remember? And it goes all the way down to Jesus. Now notice something. The pivotal prophecy fulfilled here is that the Messiah would be in the lineage, in the family tree of David. That was essential. That was vital. How would someone claim to be Messiah and others would say, this is indeed the promised one through thousands of years? It would have to go through the lineage of David. And we see this is given here in Matthew. By the way, this is the lineage of Jesus through his surrogate father, Joseph. By the way, Matthew and Luke go at great extremes explaining this was a virgin birth. I read a part of that here in our opening passage. And so we have in Matthew, the lineage is traced from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through David, and through his royal son, Solomon and it goes all the way down through to Jesus. And that is the lineage of Jesus through his surrogate father, Joseph, and we'll see why that is important. Now, flip over to Luke chapter three. Guys, it's not hard, just turn right, a, a short right. Get to the third chapter, the 21st verse, the genealogy of Jesus. And this genealogy of Jesus goes in the opposite direction. Now stay with me. I apologize for you having to think today because this is vital and it's important. And you'll see why in just a minute. He starts, verse 23, when he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being as supposed, the supposed, remember, the son of Joseph and the son of Eli and the son, he goes down all the way through the sons. And notice here in verse 31, do you see it, Nathan, the son of David? David's oldest son was named Nathan. The oldest son always is the heir, right? It is through the oldest son that the lineage comes, that all the passages of genes come. It is through Nathan. And so here it goes through Nathan, and then we see Jesus is traced in the opposite direction all the way back to Adam in the garden. So you see, you got one ascension here. Joseph is found in Matthew, and it goes to David, but it goes to his royal son, Solomon, who had the crown, who had the throne. And then when it goes the opposite way, it begins with Jesus, and it goes also through David, but through Nathan, who was his oldest son, who had the legal right to the throne. And then it goes all the way down to Adam. So you see here the royal lineage of Jesus, and also you see the legal lineage of Jesus, both going through David. Also, you see, well, another man I want to introduce you to back in the lineage found in Matthew. 
Look at it, if you would. It's very, very important. Matthew chapter number one. Look at verse 12. Jeconiah. Jeconiah is in the lineage there of Joseph. Jeconiah. You read in Jeremiah 22 and 1 Chronicles 3 that Jeconiah was cursed by God and therefore God said none of his seven sons would ever be in the lineage of the Messiah. He was discounted and therefore it is in Matthew, the lineage of Joseph, therefore Jeconiah, Joseph could not have been the biological father of Jesus because the curse of God was on his lineage. Another evidence proof of the virgin birth. Now, if you're confused, I want to awaken you and I want you to look at this graph and I want you to see it again as we try to do it. Look at it, it's so important, you'll see it. Remember what we're doing. We're trying to demonstrate with historical evidence exactly who Jesus was and his claim and the reality that he was indeed the Messiah. We start with Abraham, the left. You work up all the son of, son of, son of. You get to David. He had Solomon who was on the throne, though he was not the eldest, remember. This is the royal line of Jesus, and it goes all the way up to Jesus. And you have here in Matthew, you have 17 verses, over 2,000 years, and you have generations, 14, 14, 14, that go all the way to Jesus. That is the royal line that verifies that Jesus was indeed the anointed one, the Messiah. And then the other way, this is the lineage of Mary. It starts with Jesus, it goes to David, Nathan, and this is the legal line. This is how they would look at the way the heir, the inheritance would be passed down, and he traces it all the way back to Adam. You see it? Matthew, Joseph, royal line, Luke, marriage, legal line. And see that guy, Jeconiah, I told you about in the 12th verse? This proves that Joseph could not have been the biological father of Jesus he was a surrogate adopted father of Jesus, and therefore you see through him, it is no way in Jewish understanding or in historical understanding that any way Joseph could have been the biological father of Jesus. So we see another evidence of the virgin birth. Are you sorta with me now? So very, very important. Jesus was the Messiah. We see it through the royal line of his surrogate father and through the legal line of his virgin mother. And how magnificently that comes together. The reality of the virgin birth. The reality that he absolutely was in the lineage of David. In fact, the line runs out, the family runs out at the end of Jesus. That's the end, that's all of it. So there could never be a pretender ever before or after that this indeed was someone else who was the Messiah, the son of the living God. How beautiful that is as we seek to understand the fabulous truth of God's word as we understand the sacred significance of Christmas. Now, 
absolutely. Those are wise hands together for the Lord and what he's revealed to us. Skeptics get blown away when you present this argument. Years ago, I was in the basement of Hebrew University in Jerusalem, and they had all the Jewish scholars and rabbis there and a few of us sort of unwashed evangelical Christians. And we debated about this point, and when you get to this point, they just throw up their hands and they say, well, when Jesus comes, they believe it'll be his first coming, and you believe it's his second coming, and we could say we believe his first coming because we see prophecy in the Old Testament, and we see it uniquely and perfectly fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You can't debate that intellectually, ladies and gentlemen. Now, so Jesus came what to do? We've already heard in the scripture read, he was given names there in Isaiah. Isaiah clearly said, he's be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7:14. You know why I remember that verse? My home, 7:14, first Avenue. That's where I was born, <laughs> Laurel, Mississippi. So I remember 7:14 Isaiah. That is a prophecy that said Jesus would be virgin born, and he's given a name. A child shall be born. What's his name? Wonderful? What a name. Counselor. Oh. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Shalom. Prince of Peace. Jesus came in this world to bring Shalom. Now, in English translation, Shalom means peace. But if you look at the Hebrew word shalom, it has many, many, many layers to it. It means that which is broken has been brought back together. It means that which is lost has been restored. That means that which has been taken away, there has been restitution. And you've heard somebody say, you know, I lost this money, but somebody came along and made me whole. Have you heard that expression? That's the word shalom in the Hebrew. It, God makes us whole when we're broken. We see that there when uh, Joseph's brothers, he was prime minister of Egypt, and they came to him, and they didn't recognize him, and he asked, is my father shalom? He asked three times, is my father shalom? Is my father shalom? He was asking about his father's health. He was asking about his father's mental capacity. He was asking about his father's prosperity. And so when you use Hebrew, the word shalom, it means bringing everything together to make a life that is complete, a life that has been scattered or broken or confused or bruised. Shalom. Jesus came to bring shalom. The high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Jesus is leaving his legacy. He's writing his last will in a prayer to the heavenly father. And he says, peace I leave with you and peace I give to you. I want to get real personal real personal right here this Christmas with everybody here. Is there any brokenness in your life? Is there any confusion in your life? Is there any pain in your life? Uh, is there a problem? It could be marriage. It could be in singleness. 
It could be in a moral area. It could be an omission. It could be in getting priorities mixed up, business challenge. I don't know. Is there any kind of confusion or things that are scattered that you're worried about and confused about and you don't know what to do about? Let me tell you something. This isn't just a preachment. Jesus comes to bring us together and to make us whole and to give us supernatural shalom. Do you have shalom today? Whatever the circumstances, whatever the medical reports, do you have shalom? If not, the problem would be with me and with you. If I do not have shalom, he said, I leave it with you and I give it to you. A gift you have to receive, don't you? We have to receive his alone. And he comes together and he heals. He gives peace. And all of a sudden we realize that this thing of Christmas, a baby changes everything and that baby came to give shalom and forgiveness and new life and wholeness, wholeness. Wouldn't it be great if we all left and said, I'm a whole person today. I'm not scattered any longer. I'm whole, I'm complete. That's what happens when we receive the gift of his peace. The resurrected Jesus met with his apostles for the first time, and he said, peace I give to you. Isn't that tremendous? I think he would stand up here right now before all of us, and he would say, peace I give to you, but you have to receive it and let his Holy Spirit do that work in your life. Do we doubt that he's the Messiah? Virgin born, descendant of David, <laughs> you can't debate it. But don't doubt also he's the Prince of Peace for everybody here. He's just offering it, offering it, a gift. Just receive it and watch the glory of his peace flow in the darkest, dampest place in which you find yourself. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.